you, you know what I know. Christmas is approaching and I've been pondering a little Christmas song of late. I've been pondering a song written in 1962 when the world was feeling a little bit wobbly under the threat of nuclear war. At the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis, when world leaders had fingers on buttons that we didn't want them to be having their fingers anywhere near, and the world felt wobbly. And it was a Christmas song, and it goes a little bit like this. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as, the, as a kite. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. Do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy. Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song, high above the trees with a voice as big as the seas. Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king. Do you know what I know? A child, a child, shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Said the king to the people everywhere. Listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child, sleeping in the night will bring us goodness and light. It's a beautiful song. Christmas is a time that we can celebrate when God got loud and I love that. Jack if I click this and it doesn't work you click it for me because there we go. Christmas is a time when God got loud. It's a story of God entering into a very wobbly world in a way that we could never have dreamed up in our wildest imaginings. The Christmas story is one of an announcement, actually a couple of announcements an announcement about an arrival, about a beginning. And the first of these announcements is, a, is with a lovely old couple named Zachariah and Elizabeth, a sweet old couple. You can follow along in your Bibles because this is a new thing I want to teach you. Ready? On our app, you can hit the little thing that says Bible down the bottom and you can actually follow along in the Bible that's embedded in our app. And if you do that and you're scrolling, you'll actually find that somewhere in there when you look up Luke chapter 1, you'll see that last year Steve Prescott spoke on this passage and you could go home this afternoon and listen to that. So any time we've been in this passage as a church, it will actually bring it up for you. When you open that, that's a, good, that's a good tip, isn't it? There you go. I'm done. No. You can all listen to Steve. So we are in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25, if you want to follow along in your Bibles or in your app. Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. This does not mean they were perfect, but it does mean that they were patterning their lives after the way that God wanted them to live. Zechariah was a priest and he was scheduled to serve in the temple, sort of like he was rostered on that week, uh, as was a normal rhythm in his life. Now, there were tens of thousands of priests who came in and did this rostering system over time. Uh, and he was put on that week to actually do some of those services. But 
one person's name was kind of like drawn out of a hat to have the special role of going into the holy place in the temple to light the incense. And it was Zachariah's lucky day. The odds were in his favour. He got selected out of the hat and it was his day to go in uh, while a multitude of people stood outside the temple. Now, this place that he was going into, there was a temple and there was like the holiest place, the holy of holies, where you know they felt that the presence of God actually dwelled. And then there was a curtain and then there was the holy place. That was where Zechariah was going. And in there, there was like the seven-branched candle, the menorah thing. And then over this side, there was like a bread table. And in the middle, there was an altar for burning incense. And that was his job. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Now, if anybody has ever read any Bible stories that involve angels visiting to declare stuff, you will know that it is apparently a terrifying experience. And I wonder if all angels carry like the little handbook of angels that says, please make sure to calm your human before you deliver your message. So, inevitably, the angel said, do not be afraid, because they always do. I wonder, no, never mind, I'm not going to go into angel tactics. <laughs> but the angel said, Zachariah, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. So God has heard his prayer. And the question is, which prayer? Because he was in the temple, in the holy place, and he was probably praying some particular prayers. He was probably praying about the coming of the Messiah and God, don't forget our people. And God, please hear our prayers. And God, we want to be the kind of people that you want. So he probably had those prayers going on, but actually somewhere in his life, he probably had the prayer of wanting a child because he and his wife hadn't been able to have children. He was filled, sorry, let me, yeah, so hang on, sorry. Let me, let me finish what the angel was saying. Let me keep going. And the angel carried on and he said, be filled with, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man. And my wife is also well along in years. I thought that was quite diplomatic. But Zechariah doubted the veracity of the angel's claim. He's in this holy place and an angel stands before him and he's absolutely terrified. And he gets this message delivered to him. Your prayers are answered. And he's like, I don't know. How can I be sure? There's, there's part of me that kind of you know, wants, uh, wants the angel to cut him a bit of a break. You know, give him a moment to let it sink in. Let him, just, let him just catch his breath on this enormous news, this experience of an angel. And then the penny drops in my head. Oh, wait a second. The angel did give him a minute to let it all sink in. Actually, the angel gave him nine months to let it sink in. Because the angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news, but now, since you did not believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled in the proper time. You know, and I look at that and I go, wow, 
he actually did have time to let it sink in. He was doubtful and I kind of don't blame him. If a stranger came and suddenly appeared out of nowhere and said, all your prayers are answered, I'd be like, yeah, nah. I don't know, not so sure. But Zachariah was prevented from speaking for nine months. As a result, he was made mute, possibly deaf as well, because later we actually hear people trying to mime to him as well as him miming to them. So he was probably deaf and mute for the entirety of that nine months. So when he came out of the temple to proclaim whatever he was meant to proclaim to the people when he came out of the temple, he was not able to proclaim it. And even more than that, he was not able to say, there was an angel and this is what the angel said. And I'm totally, he was not able to say any of that. He had to just mime and sort of like charades it to the people standing around and they knew something huge had happened. So when his time was up serving in the temple, he went home and soon after his wife fell pregnant. All the while he is unable to speak, unable to declare what had happened, unable to share his experience, to share his joy with his wife to share the joy with the world of what he had heard. He couldn't celebrate the news with his friends. He couldn't whisper words of joy to his wife Elizabeth about the baby that was to come. He couldn't tell anybody in words about what he had seen. It would have been very hard. I think it would have been massively hard for me because someone once said to me ages ago, and like, please don't ever repeat this back to me because I don't know. Someone once said, Yvonne, you could talk underwater with marbles in your mouth. (laughs) I don't know. They might have been right. I do talk a lot. But I cannot imagine having to somehow hold all of this amazing, enormous experience and not be able to speak it out and declare it and to say what I had seen. It actually feels a little bit mean of the angel to do that to him, to punish his doubts so harshly. But then I thought about it some more. And when I reflected on my own times of solitude and quiet and silence, I, I remember that sometimes that's actually the place in which God speaks to me. In the vast, empty silences, sometimes that's when I hear the voice of God the most. I wonder if this silence for Zechariah may have been a great gift to him. A wise parent will know that if we're going to punish a child for a certain behaviour, the smartest thing we can do is to have a little think about what was underneath that behaviour before we think of the punishment. The smartest parent will know to actually think underneath. If the child is doing that because they are seeking attention, then time out is the worst thing that you can do. So for me, if my children were driving me nuts, attention-seeking, looking for this and, you know, being all frustrating, the smartest thing I could do is to say, come with me, we're going to visit Nana. You know, or come with me, we're going to go do the shopping. And then, I don't want to. Actually, that punishment fits the need that they were expressing. And I wondered, when I thought about Zachariah, And his silence and that angel silencing him that way, maybe it wasn't mean. Maybe it was a gift. Maybe it didn't feel like a gift, but I reckon it probably gave birth to joy in the long run. 
Now, we, happily for me, are not rendered mute. We are free to share the good news of God abundantly and freely. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't. And I wondered if perhaps sometimes there are barriers to, the, to what stop, the barriers that stop us from sharing about God, about what we know of God, about who he is. So I wrote a little list. I don't know. You may have a better list than me. So I wrote things like, oh, I, don't, I don't have the gift. Like, that's for clever people. Like, I don't know, Troy, who runs the alpha stuff. I don't have that gift. Or maybe, look, it's not my job. Yvonne gets paid to do that stuff, doesn't she? Um, or, or I'm actually too busy. You've got no idea how busy I am. I do not have time in my life to tell anybody else about God. Or I don't know everything. I think this is a real kicker. Until I know everything, I can't answer about anything. Actually, none of us know everything. There will never come a time when we know everything. Or maybe it's I don't know any people. All the people I know wouldn't be interested or don't want to know or already know. Or people will reject me and that's dangerous and I'm scared. Or this last one, which I want to hone in on a little bit, is, well, I don't have a story to tell. What would I tell about God if someone asked me to share about him? And I think that is actually about experiencing God. I actually think that if we experience God, then we will be in a position where we cannot help but share him. We cannot help but shout it from the rooftops. We cannot help but declare who God is. So I wondered then if there are perhaps barriers to experiencing God. And here was my list. That's for the spiritual people. Experiencing God, that's, that's not for me. That's for the super spiro people who are all into that and kind of wired that way. Maybe that's a barrier. Well, I tried... And I didn't feel anything, so I gave up. I did that once. I tried to have an experience of God or to get close to God or to encounter God, and it didn't work, so I gave up. Or perhaps it is actually, if I'm really honest, I prefer control, and it feels a bit dangerous, and that might be a bit out of control and weirdy for me. Or perhaps it's my one. (laughs) I'm not good enough. I'm pretty sure that I am not good enough to encounter God up close and personal and so therefore have no story to tell. Or I already know my story. I've already written it. I already understand it. I know where this is all going. There's, there's nothing miraculous going to happen in my life. Nothing's ever going to change. I can see the trajectory all the way down the line. Nothing's going to change. And I wonder if that is a block for people to encounter God, to come up close and personal to him. My question is, is I wonder if Zachariah thought he knew his story already. As a priest, doing his priestly thing, you know, praying that God would come, but pretty sure he won't come in my time. You know, praying the prayers, but pretty sure they won't get answered in my time. Giving up praying for a family, that's just not going to happen, yeah. You know, I wonder if he had actually already signed, sealed and delivered what his story would be. And that's why when the angel came on and said, I have a different story and it's a monumentally different story, he went, oh, I don't know. And it was hard for him to accept it. 
I wonder uh, if any of those barriers ring true for you. So Zachariah had to totally like win the lottery to be able to get the chance to enter that holy place in that temple. But even then, he couldn't enter the holiest part, that holy of holies, which was behind the curtain. He only got to go so far. The high priest got to go into the next bit, but not Zachariah. The curtain divided that off. Except Jesus changed all of that. Jesus came into this world as a small baby, but he went on to live, to show us how to live, to show us who God is. And when he died, he made a way for all people to enter the holiest of holy places. In fact, when he died, that curtain ripped from top to bottom and is no more. So this, this story of Zechariah being able to come this far and no closer is not our story. And yet so many of us do not enter in for whatever reason. I wonder if this um, enforced period of silence actually gave him a chance to ponder a new story. This story of God that would change the entire world in the unlikely womb of a little old lady and an unwed mother... That's a story nobody could have invented, nobody could have imagined, nobody could have thought up. And Zachariah knew it and it was in him and he couldn't say it. Because you've got to remember that Mary had been to visit and told her side of the story as well. Zachariah must have been bursting with this story. But he was mute and couldn't share it. And I wonder whether that was a beautiful time of quiet for him to stop and listen to what God had to say to him, to turn off all the noise and all the hustle and bustle, maybe even turn off all the internal voices because there was less going on and to pay attention to God because God got loud. The quiet became very loud. When this baby was finally born... This baby, eight days old, needed to be circumcised and so the people all gathered around and they said, well, clearly we're going to name him Zachariah because we named the children after their father and Elizabeth goes, no, 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 we're naming him John and everybody, it's like the record player going, hang on, John, there's no Johns in this family, it's Zachariah. No, that can't be right. And so they start miming to Zachariah saying, don't we name the baby Zachariah? And he's like, gets a, give me a bit of chalk and tablet, I don't know, a stone or whatever they wrote on. And he wrote, his name is John. Uh, sorry, I haven't got that as a slide. Just imagine that slide. His name is John. And in an instant, his voice returned and he could speak because those angels' words were coming true. And when he said his name is John, he was suddenly able to speak. And this, sorry, just lost my spot. He was able to speak and uh, it gets a bit high school musical from here on in 
there's a song, everybody gets a song. Mary's got a song, Elizabeth's got a song, Zachariah gets a song. In this, in this instant, he bursts forth into song and this is what he says. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He sent us a mighty saviour from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. And you, my little son, he holds this baby, baby John, John the Baptist, who would share who Jesus was and, and pave the path. And you, my little son, you will be called prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of his, their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. He was able to share, and boy, did he share. It's a, it's a song worth having a read of um, in the latter part of Luke 1. Go back and have a look. I wonder if we need to get loud like Zechariah to shout from the rooftops what God has done. Christmas is an invitation for us to be prophets of a different story to declare a different story, one that we could never have dreamed up, to give to people who are lonely and to spend with them more time than we've got, to share with those in need generously, to let them know that God's people care, to invite them into this marvellous expression of God's family and to share the gift of belonging. If you knew what I know, you would not stay silent. Because what I know has been hard fought and won. And I don't mean I had to fight people for what I know. I had to fight me for what I know. I had to fight internally for what I know. I had to fight my feelings of being not good enough for God to want to take a second look at me. I had to fight feelings of wondering, you know, like those those cool spiritual people, they get to like have encounters with God and I'm not one of them. I had to fight that and I had to fight feelings of suddenly being disqualified from being able to talk about even the small things that God had done. This has been hard fought and won and if you knew what I knew, know, you would be shouting it from the rooftops. If you knew what I know about this church family that sits here before me and is watching on the live stream or out in the foyer, if you knew what I know about these people and the way in which you can love and be kind and be generous and follow people up and ring people and care for them and sit with them and speak wisdom to them and ask hard questions and care for them, if you knew what I know about this family of God and who God is, you would not stay quiet. You would shout it to the rooftops. And if you are here today and you do not know what I know, if you are surrounded by barriers and you have no expectation that God will do anything extraordinary in your life, that you've already determined your story and you are going through the motions and you have nothing to get loud about in relation to God, then get quiet and enter in. Steady yourself and get closer to him, to God, in the silence. Turn the noise off. Turn the internal voices off. Pay attention to what he might be saying. 
enter into the temple, light the incense and speak to God and incline your ear and listen to what he might say. Get up and close and personal and listen for what he might tell you. This Christmas, I wonder if we should get loud. Let's put a star on our roof. Let's put a nativity in our front yard. Let's invite our neighbours carol singing. Let's stop and listen to people. Really listen and care for them. Let's share more. Let's tell more. Let's declare more about who God is and what he has done. Because I see a room full of people who have entered into the goodness of God and who have discovered truth, who have a hope and a future and who are filled with wisdom and who care. Let's get loud. As the band comes up, I wonder if you might ask yourself, do I know what she's talking about? And if you don't, Maybe this is a moment for you. Troy's going to lead us in a moment. And I wonder if you might put aside some of those barriers and just say, God, I'm going to enter in so that I've got something to get loud about.